Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. precious presence in this place, everything you've already done, Lord. And as we close it out right now, I ask you to anoint my lips to speak your word, and I ask you to anoint every ear to hear what you're saying, every heart to receive, all the good things that you have for us, and we worship and give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So in closing, let's just go back to uh, Psalm 21, and King David said, the king, David, shall joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You've given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the requests of his lips. For you send blessings of good things to meet him. You set a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of you and you gave it to him. Long life forever and evermore. His glory is great because of your aid, splendor, and majesty that you bestow upon him. For you make him to be blessed in a blessing forever. You make him exceedingly glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trust relies on and is confident in the Lord, and through the mercy and steadfast love of the Most High, he will never be moved. Hallelujah. I love that verse 6 that says, You have made him to be blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. And then again, the, the Hebrew word means blessed and a blessing, which is the way that the Amplified renders it. You have made the king blessed and a blessing. I don't know about you, but I want every promise that God may, has made in his word, I want for me. So if David could walk in the blessing of the Lord, then I can walk in the blessing of the Lord and I can experience everything that he did. Amen. And I can have everything that he had. The important thing about David's life, I think that we need to make note of is that he loved the presence of the Lord. He loved the presence of the Lord. He honored the presence of the Lord. And we have to do that. When the presence of the Lord comes into our life, everything is going to change. Now, we, we noticed that with when the revival broke out, the power of God was poured out. Our prayer was, because the church was so dead and dry at the time, there were many scandals, and the American church was pretty apathetic. And it was, you know, it was like pulling teeth trying to get people blessed. And um, they just sit and look at you, and we felt like we, we did our very best, but we felt like there was, you know, people would be blessed for that week, but then they would go straight back. And we were like, we want to see fruit, we want to see movement, we want to see change, we want to see lives changed, not just sitting, on, on the pew week after week and never changing. You know, part of that comes from the pulpit. If the pulpit's, not, you know, not preaching what they should be preaching, and, you know, pre preaching is not just making people, you know, encouraging them, making them feel good. It's, it's like, you know, poking them. It's offending them. It's because um, we get offended at the word that's the exact thing that we need. So if we need to get broken free in an area, that thing is the thing that's going to offend us when we hear it. It's going to poke because that's what the flesh does. The flesh reacts to, uh, to the word because the flesh doesn't want to change. The Bible says the carnal mind, your meathead, because the root of that word is carne, right? Your meathead, your carnal mind cannot and will not obey the law of God. 
So your spirit has to override your head, and your spirit has to tell your head, you will obey the word of God, you will submit to the word of God, you will hear it, you will receive it, and you will do as I tell you to do. Because in the garden, they were in perfect harmony, spirit, soul, and body, but sin fractured. Sin fractures everything. It fractures relationships, it fractures, uh, it, it, it pits people against one another. Sin has a defiling quality, and it destroys and breaks and tears down. But God's presence builds up, heals, brings together, unifies. Amen. Pastor Rodney has that uh, analogy of his, uh, his uncle who was merging two beehives, and he was sprinkling, sprinkling baby powder on them. And all the boys wanted to know, why are you sprinkling baby powders on the bees? And he said, well, I want to merge these two hives, but they smell different, and you know, it's like this little city and this little city, and they don't want to come together. So I sprinkle this baby powder on them, um, because then when they clean it off, they all smell the same, and I can put them in the same hive. And so that's what the Holy Ghost does. It's like the baby powder that we all get sprinkled with. So it doesn't matter if we come from a Catholic church or a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or whatever, no church. Um, we, we, whatever, wherever we've come from, wherever we've been, whatever we've been through, we come together, we get sprinkled with the baby powder of the Holy Ghost. And when we all love one another, and it, we, it unifies us together. And we all, you know, together do what we need to do as the body of Christ. And so we cannot push the Holy Ghost out of our church. We cannot push the Holy Ghost out of our family, out of our life. We cannot be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We must welcoming, welcome him into our house. And if you have a grumpy husband or a grumpy parent, or you're living with someone that doesn't want the Holy Spirit, just sneak him in anyways, because he comes in in your presence, right? So when they're not there, you pray over everything in that house. You pray the Holy Ghost on on the, on the inside and the outside and the upside and the downside. Um, you know, I, I know people who've taken, even prayed over prayer cloths and sewed it into uh, pillowcases and sewed into garments. The, the one um, pastor was believing God for his daughter that was a wayward. And he would, uh, would I, I'm trying to, you know, was, anyway, I can't remember who it was, but they, they'd sewed the, this prayer cloth into their pajamas. And this person would wake up every morning and couldn't understand why their pajamas were on the floor. While they were sleeping, the devil would haul the pajamas off. But it took, a f it took only a few days and they got completely delivered and turned their life around to the Lord. Amen. Okay, this is, I don't know if I should share this or not. This is really funny. But I, I, I think it was, I think it was Jerry Savelle was sharing the story about this lady that was a, uh, she did costumes in Hollywood. So she did costumes for everybody, right? She was very, very good. And, but she loved the Lord. So she would pray over all of those people, you know, because well, the Lord knows they need Jesus. And um, anyway, <laughs> she was asked one day to do <laughs> the costumes for the Chippendales. And so she took prayer cloths and she sewed it. I mean, because Jerry was like, well, you know, they, all they do is haul their clothes off. What did you do? She said, yes, they, we had to make these very little, tiny, brief things for them. But she said, I sewed prayer cloths into the priest. <laughs> and anyway, and, I, and you know what? It was funny because I think, <laughs> I, the, I, I can't remember the whole testimony, but it was like some of those people, it's like they, they didn't want to do that anymore. They didn't want to do those things. Actually, I think it broke the whole group up. It kind of shut the thing down. And they didn't know she was like sewing prayer cloths into their little britches. <laughs> so, man, listen, the Lord is much more powerful than the devil. Amen. Amen. The power of God is more powerful. And you have to believe that. You have to, because it's true. 
But if you don't believe it, it's not going to work for you. Amen. Well, that rhymed. How about that? You have to believe it because it's true, but if you don't believe it, it's not going to work for you. And so David said, you've made the king exceedingly glad at your presence. There's joy, everything we need in God's presence, but we must love his presence. We must embrace his presence. We must welcome his presence. Again, as I said, in our church, in our home, in everything that we do, welcome his presence. Because if, you know, we try to change people, we try to preach at them, and there is definitely a time to share. The, we've got to share the gospel. We've got to open our mouth and share. Um, but sometimes, with some people, especially the people closest to you, the best thing you can do is just live it out in front of them and just love them. And when they're being cranky, you be sweet. And when they mean, you be nice. And when they curse you, you bless them. They can't fight that. And, and when they, when they, if, it, if, they, if it starts amping up, just know that it's coming close because, you know what I'm saying, they get, the more mad they get, the closer they come into going over the edge and falling into the big bucket of blessing. Amen. Because you're praying and the devil ain't going to win. Amen. Because God answers your prayers. And so you just keep, keep loving them, keep praying for them, keep living it in front of them. There is a little buggy fly decided to show up. <laughs> Somebody left the door open. Anyway. And I'm not even wearing any sweet stuff either. Um, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, someone's hairspray or whatever tra attracts the bugs because <laughs> they <laughs> like the way it smells. Anyways, so what, he, what David experienced, which is available to all of us, the blessing of salvation, answered prayer, the desires of your heart. A lot of times we don't believe the Lord will hear us. We think he will hear everybody else but he hears us if we will just be bold enough and just believe his word and just pray and just ask the Lord and trust him. And then don't rip your seed out of the ground with your mouth. Don't pray and then go, well, pff, I don't think that's gonna happen. Well, <laughs> why even bother to pray then? Keep faith over you. If, listen, if you, like Thumper's mother had the best advice. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> Amen. If, if you can't say anything that's, that's life and blessing, rather just zip it. Don't let negativity come out of your mouth because you know what? You're speaking the devil's will over your life. When you agree with the devil and then you talk it out. And you know, there were times um, when like, I, was, I would go through things and, and I started saying it and I think my husband finished saying it and I would say these negative things that were going over in my tape recorder in my head and, the, and my husband would be like, well, I don't even agree with that. And it was funny because when it came out of my mouth, it was so real on the inside of me. It, I was being tormented by these thoughts that were binding me up and the moment it came out of my mouth, I even thought, well, that's not true. I don't even know why I'm even thinking that thought. And so I used to have to take my hands put them on my head and say, I cast down every vain imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring into captivity every thought. I had to take authority over those things in my head. We've got to dismantle the strongholds and we, not, we must not let the devil build them in our life. That's what you're doing with your children. You're guiding them and you're, you're teaching them and you're instilling the word in them so that they don't build little strongholds. I, with my children, the Bible says the, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You, when your kids, you've got to watch those little things. You've got to watch the little things in your own life, in your marriage, in, with your children. It's the little foxes that just nibble, nibble here, nibble, nibble there, nibble, nibble there, nibble, nibble there. And we ignore them because they're little. Yeah. Yeah. 
You must nip it in the bud. When you see an attitude beginning, nip it in your own heart and life, in your children, nip it. In your employees, in anybody that works with you and for you, nip. I would tell my kids, attitude is everything, pick a good one. The attitude of your heart determines the direction of your life. And you must change your attitude. Put on a happy face. Do you know that even if you're feeling very, very grumpy and miserable and sorry for yourself, if you just make yourself smile, you feel better. Smile. You, some, it's, listen, we're all connected. Everything, every muscle in your body is connected. Every muscle in your body holds memories. Did you know that? And so when you get saved, God redeems everything in your life. He doesn't just make you a brand new creation on the inside. He redeems your mind. Get out of here in the name of Jesus, you uninvited guest. <laughs> he redeems your mind. He redeems your body. He redeems your amygdala, your memories, the seed of your memories. You know, um, Caroline Leaf is the brain scientist. And she talks about how, you know, the wiring of your brain and how to undo everything and fix everything in your life and, and uh, get rid of the little thorn trees of unforgiveness in your life and, and grow new, new plants in your brain. And, um, but you know, I've watched the Lord do what she talks about. I've watched the Lord do in one night on the floor with people, rewire their brain. How many of you felt like God rewired your brain? God's rewired mine. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, of course, everything's interconnected and only the Lord can draw the line between the, the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, right? And the word of God is the one that's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so only God knows those dividing lines, but we are so interconnected and God can come in and he can fix whatever it is. So it's a physical thing, it's an emotional thing, it's a spiritual thing, come fix the whole package, right? So don't limit him just to one thing. He can fix you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and in every area of your life that you need. Amen. Hallelujah. So... Um, you know, it's amazing. It's like we're, we're so connected to each other, we don't even realize. I think, you know, it was hard to hear on here, but the other night was that lady sharing that she got hit here and her husband got hit at home. And I think the same thing happened to Martha and, and her hubby. And because she was fighting the joy and she got hit with the joy and he got hit with the joy and they weren't even in the same place. Hallelujah. So the Lord can like come in and Fix, fix your, your marriage while you here and your husband somewhere else. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, the, in, in the, the first few, I'm trying to think, the first few weeks or months of the revival, we had this lady touched that was a very dignified lady. Uh, she and her husband owned about six jewelry stores. She got smacked by the fire of God in the morning, and it took her the entire day to crawl to the back row. She, and she crawled up and sat on the back row. Everybody around her was getting hit. She couldn't speak in English for two, about two weeks. And so she didn't go home. She didn't pick her kids up from school, and she didn't make dinner. And her husband was probably wondering where on earth she was. And at the end of the meeting, the pastor said to my husband, you are coming with me. We're driving this lady home. And my husband said, no, I'm not. You take her. And he said, no, you did this to her. You are coming, and you're going to explain this to her husband. And so, anyways, well, you know what I mean. Anyways, it was funny the way he said it. But so Pastor Ronnie went with him, and they took the lady into the house. She walked into the house. She couldn't even say anything. She just wrote something on a piece of paper. You know, when, the, when that guy saw her, he was not serving God at all. When he saw her, the power of God hit him. He fell down. 
and he landed on the floor speaking in tongues. The Lord saved him on the way down, <laughs> and he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. When God touches you, it, it, everything, you don't even have to do anything. Everything around you changes. We had one lady walk out of the meeting in, in Louisiana, in New Orleans, totally drunk, forgot where her car was, walking down, so they picked her up, a cop car picked her up, she was laughing, they thought she was a bit loony, so they stuck her in the loony bin, and um, I know that's not politically correct, don't get mad at me, whatever. They, they, they thought she was loony, they locked her up. Well, they, they, you know, and I think her husband wasn't saved either, so he, he was kind of a little freaked out, and so they kept her there for two or three days, he didn't check her out, he left her there, because he thought there's something wrong with her as well. And... Um, and so, but she was going around praying for all these people that had, you know, a lot of them are just full of de the devil, right? And these, the devil's tormenting them. And um, so she went around just praying for everybody. Laugh, she laughed for days and went around praying for everybody. And they, start, they started having to release everybody because they were suddenly all fixed. And, <laughs> and then, so they, they let her go. They just said, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just suffering from excessive joy. I don't know if that's a suffering or... <laughs> But the world doesn't know what to do with this. But you know, the Lord put her in there, maybe, who knows, to get those people set free as a testimony. The one lady's weaving down the road, kind of a little drunk, and this big African-American cop pulls her over. And you know, she's like, roll down the window. She, could, she couldn't even like roll down the window. He could, kind of got mad at her. And anyway, and he's like, maybe, are you drunk? She says, yes, I'm drunk, I'm drunk. And the service was playing on her, on her car radio. And, um, and anyway, so he pulled the door open because she couldn't get the window open and he grabbed her arm. And as he grabbed her arm, the power of God hit him. And she sobered up and he was like frozen and she, he was listening to what was on the radio and the Lord, she started speaking to him and he said, yes, you know, um, my mom's a Christian. His mom or his grandma was praying for him and he knew it and he was running from God and he starts weeping and she leads him to the Lord. <laughs> so, Hallelujah. So we're very serious about this joy. And the Lord told us, you don't make them laugh, I do. And if you're ashamed of this ministry, I'm going to take it away from you and give it to somebody else. Amen. And so don't be ashamed of what God does in you and in your, in your life. If, it's, if you're sincere, just let the Lord do whatever he wants to do and don't be ashamed of it. And people can mock and laugh, but they're the ones that are going to miss out. Not you. So don't get offended. Don't take it personally. Just feel sorry for them, rather. Amen. So, so um, answered prayer. Blessings of good things. God doesn't give us blessings of bad things. God doesn't bless you with sickness and disease to teach you a lesson. That's a lie of the devil. Good gift. Every good gift, perfect gift comes from above. The Father of lies with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so if there's something bad happening in your life, God is not the source of it, but the Bible tells us that even if there's something going wrong in our life, <coughs> something that we did, you know, something we messed up, a choice we made that messed things up, or if it's something that had nothing to do with us, that we couldn't help, and we're in this situation, but the Bible says God is the way out of every situation. So if you put yourself there or you just found yourself there, God is always the way out. And so the devil's going to try and get you to blame God and to not believe that the Lord can help you. <coughs> And so you need, to not, you need to know that God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. You need to know the source of the bad stuff 
so that you don't just accept it and receive it. Oh, please, I've got cancer, but please pray for me that I learn a lesson from this. No, in a prayer, you get delivered of it. That's not the blessing of the Lord. Poverty is not a blessing of the Lord. Sickness and disease and, 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 and broken relationships is not a blessing of the Lord. That's the devil coming to kill, steal, and destroy, and we don't have to accept that. Amen. So he talks of a crown of gold, promotion and authority that the Lord will give you. As you are faithful, God will promote you. Some people, want, you know, some people are very insecure, and they like have these people, oh, you know, this person prophesied over me that how I would have a ministry uh, around the world. Please pray for me. What do you want me to pray for? They already told you you have a ministry around the world. Why aren't you doing it? Most of that's delusion. It's a bunch of rubbish. You've got to start where you are. Start winning souls in your hometown. And why, why are you trying to have some ministry out there, airy-fairy we out there, there's like a huge gap between where you are and that stuff, and you have to walk it out. If you truly called to that ministry, you'd be out winning souls, you'd be loving, and before you knew it, you'd have a big ministry, and you didn't even plan it, and you didn't push it, and you didn't try and make it happen, and you didn't even have to pray about it because you just stepped out and obeyed God. Sometimes there's a time to pray, and there's a time to step out and obey God. Amen. Amen. When God called us to come to America, I said, Lord, what do we, because we had no money. To, to do it, I mean, we needed a supernatural miracle, so I said, Lord, what, what do I do? Is there something I need to praise? Is there something I need to confess? Is there something I need to do? And the Lord just said, just, just trust me, pack, and your husband and I will take care of all the, all the other stuff. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can pack. I can pack. And so I did. I packed, and the Lord brought all the finances, supernaturally brought all the finances. It was supernatural, let me tell you. Because what we needed was 10 times what he was getting paid as a salary. 10 times. And he had quit. We had no, no money, and God supernaturally, supernaturally brought it in. Because we knew when we traveled to churches before how much offering they gave us, or how little offering they gave us, I should say, and then what came in, it was supernatural. And it covered everything, and we still came with 300 bucks. So we didn't feel bad coming with $300. We were like, wow, we paid every bill, paid for the airfare, and we, and we plus, we had 300 bucks. And then when we got here, like, you know, Pastor Rodney tells the story, checking in the hotel, and the guy's like, how are you going to pay for it? We had no clue how we were going to pay for it. All we knew is God told us, come to America. <laughs> and we, we booked a couple of weeks in a hotel, and the plan was to take the kids to Disney and then start preaching in January. This was, like, this was the middle of December. And he gets there, and, the, and he's filling out. He says, just let me fill out this form, and, you know, and then I'll tell you. And then the guy's, well, there's an envelope here for you. He opens it, and it's, it's a credit card. Somebody, God had moved on the pastor's heart in Kentucky, and he sent us a credit card with our name on it and a little note that said, pay me every 30 days. And Pastor Rodney turned around, signed it, and handed it to the guy and said, put it on this. <laughs> but we just stepped out on the water, and we just did it. Amen. So when God, if God doesn't tell you go, don't. But if God says go, go, there's a, there's a direction and there's a timing and we have to wait on the Lord for both. Uh, because many times we, we kind of have an idea with which direction he's taking us, but we don't always get the timing right because we want to step out ahead of God or when it's time to go, we hesitate. I've seen so many people got such a great call on their life, wonderful people, blessing, and they, but through fear, they never stepped out and obeyed the Lord and they missed every cue that God gave them. They missed every door and they're not in the ministry. They're just working some job, working for other people, making other people rich. You need to not be working to make, well, you need to be a blessing, but you shouldn't be spending your time and your talent to, make, to build someone else's business and make them wealthy. You should be sp spending your time and your talents 
to be a blessing in your family and for you. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Lord wants you to be an owner. He wants you to be a manager. But that, is, that means you are going to have to change. You are going to have to step up. You are going to have to take responsibility. You are going to have to get up in the morning and work it. You're going to have to work it, work it, work it. Work it, work it, work it. I like to work it. I like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to work it, work it. I have to put some effort in, right? Because you don't just sit there and it just lands on you. We were in one church where they prophesied over people all the time, which is actually not good. It's very detrimental because those people, they just sat there and waited for a prophecy. And when Pastor Rodney would call a line, pray for people, you could feel them pulling, waiting for their prophecy. Not pulling on the anointing. And not one of them got up and won anybody for Jesus, but they were just waiting for the next prophecy. You bunch of big fat babies. Somebody needs to spank you, throw you out the cot, throw you out the crib. So you take those diapers off, put the big girl and boy pants on, and get out and be a blessing. And go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. And stop waiting for some word to make you feel good and tickle your ears. Am I scratching in somebody's kitty litter box? Is somebody getting offended? Good. If you're watching, getting offended? Good. Don't run after prophecies. If God wants to give you one, he'll give you one. But people listen to all this nonsense, and people are, there's, there's some people that are more than happy to oblige you and give you some flaky prophecy that, that keeps you in an area that, you're, that the devil just neutralizes you. You don't, I, I've had very few prophecies over my life. Like, you know, when, when Pastor Ronnie was little, he wanted to see Jesus, and the Lord told him, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You don't have to have a prophecy over your life to do the will of God. You don't have to have a prophecy over your life to be a blessing and to be prosperous and to, and to accomplish everything that the Lord's told you to do. In fact, many times when you get a, a, a prophecy, you almost brace yourself because you know you, there's, there's going to come an attack and God is giving you this strong word to help you focus you through the thing. Amen. When I was pregnant with, with Kenneth, I had a lady minister to me, prophesy over me, and she said, for this season, the Lord has called you to minister to your husband and children. I've called you to minister, to, to preach, but this season is for your husband and your family. Well, God had already spoken that to me, but personally, but she confirmed. See, prophecy is confirmation, not information, and she confirmed it to me, and that word kept me, because I knew it's confirmed. I've heard from the Lord, and I didn't let the devil sway me off of that. And when I would feel bad, and I feel like, well, he's up there preaching. I'm not doing anything. He's going to have all this treasure in heaven. I'm not going to have any. How many of you ever had played that tape recorder? Yeah. And the Lord's like, no, you're exactly where I want you. You serve your children. You, you teach them. You do your best as a mom. You support your husband in every way that you can. And that's exactly where I want you. Amen. So... You know, like I said, I was the, the personality that God had to push forward, but there's some of us that we're, we're like, we're rip-roaring, rip ready to go. I mean, some of you, I watch, I feel actually sorry for some marriages, like mine is, my husband's the, we're going to do this, and I'm like, we're going to do what? No, not really. I'm, okay, baby, I'll help you do this. But you have some, some women are like the go-getters, and their husband is like, hold your, just slow down a little bit. Like my husband's happy place, when everything's moving, moving, he, he gets frustrated when things go slowly. I get freaked out when things move too fast. But when I'm on a course, I stick, I stay. I'm not all, all over the place. I'm like, when I'm on that course, but don't, don't ask me to turn on a dime, not for major things. 
I mean, I'm always up for some fun. Hey, let's go have a party, let's go have lunch, let's go, whatever. that's all fine, right? But important, like life decisions, don't just, you know, throw things at me. It ain't gonna be good. So my husband had to learn, because he would marinate things and marinate, and he would think about it and pray about it and think, and he wouldn't share it with me, then he just, just, you know, when we're, when we're about to do it, he would tell me, this is what we're doing. Surprise, I'm like, no, 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 that's not good. So he had to learn to speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it, to speak out what he felt in his spirit, and then when he heard it come out of my mouth, he knew, because we have to be in agreement, and there's power in agreement, and there's many things that, that you know, that he was, because when little tells him, he, he does it straight away. He's, he goes to do it, unless God tells him no. He'll, he'll be immediately, he moves and he does it. So he's not disobedient with that. But there were things like when we were in South Africa, we were, they were there for six years before God brought us here and opened the door. God was training us in traveling ministry, in church and in Bible school in those six years. And I knew the timing wasn't right to come to America, but I could not say that because it wouldn't have gone well. He wouldn't have received it. So I had to shut up and pray, but I didn't feel the release myself. But there was a moment in 1987 when God opened the door, when he came to America and preached, and God spoke to him personally and through prophetic words, go home, resign, bring your wife and kids to America, and the Lord showed me as well. I knew this is the timing, this is. And people try to talk us out of it, they try to get us to stay. Um, the church we were part of, they didn't want us to leave, they were comfortable with us being there. Um, we were pastors on staff, preaching in the Bible school, they, they weren't happy that we were leaving, they wanted us to stay and work for them. And you know, and we try not to do that to our staff. If they feel they, they need to go, then they need to go. Now if we think they're, well anyways, I'm not gonna get into all that, but we're, we're a church to release people. And some of them are people like, oh we wish we could keep them, they're so fabulous and we trained them up and they're doing such a great job, now we're gonna have to put somebody else there and train them up. But that's our job is to release. It's like your children, you can't hold on to your children forever. As Pastor Rodney said, they are going to grow up, they're gonna leave you, they're gonna go live their own life and that's how it should be. You'll always be connected, they'll always love you, you'll always love them, but they have to go and live their own life, amen. So we need to be able to also release people. And so. So I, I knew we weren't ready for it, and he didn't know, maybe, I think he did on the inside, but he was like, he would go to the travel agents and like, okay, let's check the prices of the tickets. And we went, we went on one date, right? When you have little babies, you, you, you don't get to go on dates because the baby, and so Kirsten was old enough, or Kelly, I think, I think I had Kirsten and Kelly at that time, and so this couple said, look, oh, we'll, we'll watch the babies for a few hours, you go and have a meal. So we hadn't been treated to a meal. I mean, we were living hand to mouth early in the ministry, you know, uh, so we didn't treat ourselves to meals, and uh, we didn't have the budget for it, but I think they blessed us. We went out for this meal, and oh, all romantic, this meal. I don't know if it was our anniversary, it was February the 14th, which is Valentine's Day, when it, it was the day we officially met, I can't remember. And all I wanted to do was just talk to him and, you know, lovey-dovey things, I don't know what all. And all he talked about was going to America. <laughs> I'm like, we're on a date. We're supposed to just be talking about you and me, and all you can talk about is going to America. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but when I feel it, then, then, then it happens because we have to be in agreement. If I, if I don't feel it, I can't do it. If I don't feel it, I can't attach my faith to it. I gotta feel it. We, would, we, we, we had these little um, things that somebody else had drawn up actually, but it had blanks where you could fill in the blanks. So it was the word of God, it was a contract that you make with the Lord and you pray in agreement. So it was kind of general and then you could fill in what you're believing the Lord for. So we would print these out and we would write in what we're believing, we would pray the whole prayer together both of us would say the prayer, not just one praying and the other one going, 
Both of us would pray it out of our mouth and sign it. And it was amazing. I wish I still had those. How many of those things absolutely came to pass? And I learned about praying in faith because I, I, when, when I would start praying, um, as we would pray and ask the Lord for stuff, I, I, would, I would feel here, it's done. It's done. It's done. And then all we need to do is praise, and it didn't matter what it looked like, I knew it was done. But if I pray and I don't feel that confirmation that it's done, I'm like, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board. Something's off. Amen. So we, know, we need to learn to trust that, that voice on the inside. So God promises us abundant life, productive life, health, strength, long life. David was given all of those things, and we can believe God for that. God's help, his salvation, and we can be confident in the Lord because through his trust and mercy, we will never be moved. Now, I just want to share this with you. Um, in Deuteronomy Chapter 11, 26 to 28, it says, Behold, I've said before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. So he says there's a blessing and a curse. Choose. I don't, you know, if you, if you choose the blessing, this is what's going to happen. If you choose the, the curse, if you disobey. So the curse comes from disobedience, and the blessing comes from obedience. And then Deuteronomy 30 19 to 20, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, you may obey his voice, you may cling to him, for he's the length and the life of your days, life and length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. So we spoke about here, David loved the presence, it was the presence of God that he treasured above all of those things, and that's why he was a success in every other area of his life, because he honored and respected God's presence, God's word in his life. Deuteronomy here tells us that we must, in the, in the King James it says cleave, I was reading the New King James here, that you may cling, cling, to, we have to cling to God, we have to cling to his word. Have you ever seen the, how the little monkeys cling onto their moms? It's the cutest thing, though. And the, she's swinging through the trees, and she's running, and she's jumping, and, she's, and that baby just doesn't go anywhere. That baby just clings to the mom. And so we need to cling to the Word of God. We need to cling to God like that. When you've got nothing else to cling on to, you cling on to that. You cleave. That word cleave actually means to stick to, <laughs> to stay close, to keep close, follow closely, join yourself to, to pursue closely, to follow hard, to be joined together, and to catch my pursuit, and to keep, amen. So we've got to stick to the Lord. If you have no one else to stick to, stick to the Lord, stick to his word. That's what's been, that's what's carried us, that we stuck to the word, that we let the word change us. We didn't try and compromise and change the word, we let the word change us. We let the word direct us. We let the word correct us. When the, when the presence of God comes in, it shines a light into, into people's lives. God is the light 
to, to bring the, those changes, and we need to obey. Because we can lay hands on you all day long, but you're not going to receive a thing until you submit to the Holy Ghost and you start obeying what He's telling you to do. Pastor Rodney prayed for a whole bunch of kids in a church one time, and um, it's, these kids weren't even in the meeting. They were actually in kids' church. And he said, bring the kids out. Let me pray for them. They were on the floor weeping, laughing, getting touched by the fire of God. And he started pulling them up and saying, what is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord? And in a different way, each of them said the same thing. I must obey. I must do what he tells me to do. When you're a baby Christian, that's your... And if, if anybody... I remember the first, the first thing the Lord puts on your heart if someone says, would you like to share what the Lord, I must obey. I remember that was my first, <laughs> my first, one of my first sermons, I must obey God because that's what he's going to be speaking to you about, obedient. That's why we need to raise our kids being obedient. We need to tell, teach our children that it's godly to be obedient. And you need to listen to mommy and daddy because God says so. God says it'll be well with you. God says it's right for you to honor your mom and dad and listen to them. So don't just spank them. Don't just yell at them. Don't just, but correct them with the word. Have a scripture for every situation. Put the word into your children. Because in the natural, you can correct them to a certain extent. But it's the word of God that will stay and stick with them for the rest of their life that they will never forget. They, will, they might forget your lectures, but they will never forget the word. And because the Holy Ghost won't let them forget it. Because his job is to remind Amen. I mean, how many of you have been ministering to somebody else uh, or in a situation where you needed the word and suddenly the scripture popped up that you didn't even know that you knew, but it comes out of your spirit and the Holy Ghost can activate it, but you have to put the word in there. Put the word into your children. And it doesn't matter where they go or what happens in their life, that will stick with them and stay with them and they will not be able to run away from it until they completely submitted to God. So we have to choose. How do we choose we choose by our faith, by our obedience. That's how we choose the blessing, to believe God's word and obeying God's word and being a doer of the word. Joshua 24, verse 15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you have to make that choice. You have to decide. You have to stick that up on the wall and let your children know. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Like Pastor Rodney's family raised him, they lived it before them. They weren't hypocrites. A lot of parents drag, drag their kids to church, beat their kids up for not being perfect, and they're living some kind of compromised life in front of the child. How can you live a comp compromised life in front of the child and expect them to grow up straight? They're going to do what you do. They're going to be who you are. So you need to be who you want your children to be. And they didn't have a choice. They went to church whether they liked it or not. And they went to church even when they were on holiday. And they went to church every time the door opened. And some of their friends grew up not serving the Lord because their parents were hypocritical, because they didn't live, they were gossipers and, and, and interfering in other people's business and did not have a good attitude, and they're preaching to everybody else and playing the organ in the church, but they lived a compromised life before they, and their children didn't even want to serve the Lord. But every one of Pastor Rodney's brothers faithfully has served the Lord. Married wives, been faithful to their wives, Amen, and raise good kids because the way that their parents raised them, because their parents were the example to them, and they said, you will come to church. And there was an opportunity for the Lord to do a work in their life, and thank God for the word, but thank God also for the anointing. We need the presence of God. So, you know, I, I can't believe how many people have been touched by the fire of God, and then they go get involved in some denomination 
in some church where there's no fire and they put their child, how do you think the child is gonna grow up loving Jesus if you got them in a church that's compromising and that doesn't, that, that, that's ashamed of the Holy Spirit? Your children are not gonna get your experience by osmosis. You had to get in the fire, you gotta stick your kids in the fire. Amen, bring them to fire week. Bring them to church, that's why we get, we get all the little kids from all the way through. We get them in the fire. We make sure they get saved. We make sure they win souls. We make sure they memorize the word and they put the word in them, put revival in them. They love the anointing. We've had services where the parents came to fetch the kids and it was middle of the night and the kids' service was still going. This service was over. It was middle of one of the camp meetings. The kids were laying hands on everything. The parents came in. They're standing there weeping. The, the kids start laying hands on the parents and they come in. They, they, I don't know what time they finished with revival there with all the little, you know, six to twelves because the fire of God was there in the kids' church. Listen, there's experiences that, that we have as children where the Lord touches us. We never, 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 never forget. So they need the touch when they're little. So let's not compromise that at all. Job uh, 36, 11 and 12. If they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in prosperity, their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Amen. So um, in Deuteronomy 8.18 says, it's he who gives you the power to get wealth to establish his covenant. God is going to bless you in every area of your life to establish his covenant, to keep his word to you, but to empower you also then to do what you're called to do. Part of your covenant is sharing the covenant and being a blessing to others. Not Your covenant is not just God blessing you, but it's you being a blessing. Whether you like it or not, you're blessed. Whether you like it or not, you are a blessing. So you might as well stop fighting God, just step up and be a blessing. Amen. So faith, obedience, our giving, our working, our praising, hallelujah, praising, worship, giving God the glory, thankfulness, being thankful, love and gratefulness builds. Grumpiness, feeling sorry for yourself, blaming other people, uh, being ungrateful, they are all destroyers. Remember, the wise woman builds and the foolish tears it down. So you build with love, you build with gratitude, and you model that with your children and you teach them. Tell them, you cheer up, get a happy face, smile. They never want to, right? You're just giving them a spanking, you tell them, okay, smile now. <laughs> They're not gonna want to, but they will. And then you need, you need revival in your house. If you put your children, your grandchildren in revival, you know that they will serve the Lord every day of their life. Amen. So we have to believe in the blessing. We have to choose the blessing. Then we have to activate the blessing. And we have to be the blessing. Amen. Let me speak some scriptures over you. The blessing of the Lord, Proverbs 10, 22, make, makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Genesis 49, 25. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie under, lie under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water upon him that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And I will make them in the places, Ezekiel 24, sorry, Ezekiel 34, 26. I will make them in the places round about my hill a blessing. I will cause the shower to come down in its season. There shall be showers of blessing. And the promise that's to you is a promise to your husband, but it's to you, Psalm 
128 and verse three, your wife will be as a fruitful vine by the sides of the house. Thy children will be olive plants around thy table. You are a fruitful vine. You are flexible. You can grow anywhere. You can hold on to anything. And you can make your way and make everything beautiful. Everywhere you go, you're by your life. It doesn't matter where you're planted. It doesn't matter what you've been given or not given. But as you plug into the blessing of God and get that revelation that you are blessed in a blessing, the Lord will grow you. You will be fruitful. You will be a blessing for generations to come. And it's your husband's job to take care of that vine, to prune that vine, and to nurture that vine. Amen. And it's your job to keep your heart right and to do what you know to do and to just grow and produce fruit and invest that into your children, invest that into the people around you. Be willing to take the responsibility. Be willing to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do. Don't throw little tantrums. Kick and scream and try and push and make God do anything. Because you know what the Lord does to us when we throw tantrums? He goes like this. And he lets us kick and scream and freak out. And he just holds us right there until we surrender. Like Isaiah 55 says, what God has for us is priceless. But he says, come and buy it simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. So we have to surrender to the will of God and let him have his way because his plan for us is blessed and a blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Before we close, I want us to bow, just close our, you know, bow our heads, close our eyes. And if there's anybody in here, perhaps out of anybody who just came in today and wasn't with us before, or just anybody that's here for the week, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to receive him now, I want to give you that opportunity to make him Lord and Savior. You heard from the testimonies today of the girls who were invited and came and gave their life to the Lord and how their life turned around and is completely, radically changed. And so the Lord wants to touch you today. And Jesus stands with his arms wide open. He loves you. If you're watching by way of television, he loves you. He adores you. He died for you. He poured out his blood for you. And it's that blood that washes us clean. He, has, he wants to forgive you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free but you have to open your heart to him today. You have to say, Jesus, come into my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're sitting in this place and you, you serve the Lord. You've been born again, you know you are, but things happen in your life. You cooled off, you lost your first love. You've kind of maybe been a little bit lukewarm and, God, and the Holy Ghost is convicting you of that today. Maybe there's some people that went through some terrible things that divorces and bankruptcies and betrayals and and the, the, the loss or the death of a loved one, whatever it is that just made us pull back and the devil lied to us and we retreated into ourselves. And so God wants to reach out and touch you. Jesus says, come to me. Give me your burdens. Give me your heavy burdens. I want to give you my light burden. Give me your heavy yoke and I'll put it, the yoke I put on you is going to be light. I want to relieve your burden. I want to take your burdens off of you. I want to set you free. 
I want to deliver you. I want to pick you up and set you back on your feet. If you know you need to make right with the Lord and come back to Him today, because nothing can happen in your life until you surrender it all to the Lord. He has all these buckets of blessings available to you, but you just have to open your heart to let Him do it. Maybe you're here and you don't know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. You, you, you think you are, but you're not sure, but you don't know. Maybe if you had to die today, if you had to lay your head on your pillow and you didn't wake up in the morning, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would make it, that you would go to heaven? Are you sure for sure that you would go to heaven? Are you hot on fire for God? If you can't say, yes, I'm on fire, and I, I don't know. I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. If you fit into any one of those categories, if you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, make right with the Lord, come back to Him, know that you're saved. Wherever you are, just raise your hand and wave it at me. Wherever you are in this place, if, you're, if it is anybody in this place that fits in any of those categories, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord said, if we mustn't be ashamed of him and he won't be ashamed of us. And I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Is there anyone else? Anyone? The Lord's tugging at your heart. Your heart's beating really fast. You, maybe you're arguing with the, you're the Lord in your head, but your heart is telling you. You need to lift your hand up. Do that right now. Okay. So I want everybody who raised their hand, stand up quickly to your feet, because I want to pray for you. I want you to come here. I want you to come stand with me here. I want to pray with you. So jump up, come forward. And then I want, I also want all those ladies, wherever you're sitting, again, turn to the lady next to you, ask her, are you, do you know if beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you had a die today, you'd go and go to heaven? If they can't tell you I'm hot and fire for Jesus, then bring them. Bring them. Come, 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 come. Come now in the name of Jesus. If you're in the balcony, come down. We'll wait a few minutes for you. Thank you, Jesus. that you didn't come, but you know you need to get up from where you are right now and come, come, come. Jump up and come. If you're not sure if that's you or not, jump up and come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. For all you ladies that, that are up here in front and still coming, for those of you at home, if you mean business with the Lord, He means business with you. Amen. Today is a new day for you. I want you to raise your right hand to heaven and pray this prayer out loud with your lips and your heart with me, right? Because there's three groups of people standing here, but we're going to pray the same prayer. Keep coming, ladies. Come on. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody that's watching at home, pray this prayer with me. Actually, everybody in this place can probably pray this, pray this prayer right now. Let's just do that. Say, Father, I come to you 
Into the, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart now. Take out the stony heart. Put in the heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. Thank you, you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I will never be the same again. I confess that Jesus has come in the flesh and he is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Hallelujah. Say, just lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, I pray for each and every person represented here, each and every lady and those watching. I thank you that you come now, you seal them by your blood and by your spirit. I thank you, Father, that on that day, not one will be missing, that we will see them. When we get to heaven, we will see. If we never see them again, the side of heaven, we will see them. We will, they will be there when we, when we all come before your presence, Lord. And I thank you for your hand upon them. I thank you, you love them, you bless them. I thank you that you raise them up to be mighty women of God. I thank you, Lord, you use them to impact this generation. Use them in a mighty way. I thank you, Lord, that today is a new day. The past is gone. And I thank you, Lord, that it's washed away as far as the east is from the west. You wash away their sin. It's washed away into the sea of forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, and the sea of forgetfulness, and you forgive them. And I thank you, Lord, that they never need to look back. Everything that's ever happened before is blotted out, is wiped out. It's wiped out of the book. When they stand before you, Lord, not one of their sins will be represented because you wash it by your blood. You wipe it completely away. And so I thank you that it's a new day. Lord, put your arms around each and every one of them. And show them how much you love them. Lord, baptize them in the Holy Ghost and fire. And let them be on fire for you only every day of their life. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.